Hello, our scripture today is Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as the Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeliness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Well, thanks, guys. And again, good morning. Welcome to Clear Creek Online. We are in week two of our series, The Keystone Effect. One change that can change everything. I want to begin by sharing with you a story I heard years ago. It was a story about five guys who were on a plane trip. There was a preacher, a little boy, a lawyer, a doctor, and of course, the pilot. Well, halfway through their journey on this little plane, they all heard this explosion. One of the uh, engines went out, and immediately the, the pilot just freaks out. He turns around and says, Mayday, Mayday, we're all going to die. Well, maybe not, but, but, but we're going down. And he said, by the way, we have five people on here, but only four parachutes. You guys figure out who's going to stay. I've got too much to live for. He grabbed a parachute and jumped out of the plane. Well, immediately the doctor says, guys, I've saved so many people in my life. I deserve to live. So he grabs a parachute and jumps out of the plane as well. Next, the lawyer quickly pipes up. He says, I'm the smartest man who's ever lived. The world be worse off without me in it. So clearly, I'm going to take a parachute. He grabs a pack, jumps out. Now you got two guys, the preacher and a little boy and one parachute. The preacher looks at the boy and he says, Son, I've lived a good long life. I know where I'm going when I die because I love Jesus. Listen, you've got so much to live for. You take the last parachute. You save yourself. But the little boy looked up at the preacher and he smiled, said, Relax, preacher. The smartest man in the world just jumped out of the airplane with my backpack. Now, what's the moral of the story? Moral of the story is really, Proverbs sixteen eighteen that says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, if you're selfish, you go splat. We're in the series called The Keystone Effect, One Change That Can Change Everything. And the big idea comes from this one book called The Power of Habit. And this idea is that there's certain habits or certain key changes that if you make one change, it can have a radical change in every other area of life. And we're using as our definition, the simple statement that a keystone habit is one where if I change it, it will change other areas of my life. And so last week we said, as a follower of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what would it look like in our little part of the world, in our families, our schools, our work, our community, if we would embrace the one change that changes everything, how might this world look different? And we began looking at verses 1 through 4 of Philippians chapter 2, which is the white hot center of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And in verses 1 through 4, Paul says, I want to give you three things 
that if you're living this way, you change these and live this way. It changes everything. He says, listen, if you're living selfish, become selfless. If you're conceited, become considerate. If you're looking out only for yourself, look out for other people. And so we ended last week by saying, look, take one of those and this week embrace that. See if you can make one change that can change everything. But I told you last week that it's going to be harder than you imagine. And there's a reason for that. All three of these are part or fruit of the bitter tree of pride. They are all part of this sin grouping of pride. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says that pride is the chief cause of misery in every nation and family since the world began. Theologians throughout church history have said that pride is the birth mother of all sin. I cannot think of any area of life, any sin that I've seen where pride is not a companion piece. And just think with me for a moment here. Lucifer, the chief angel in heaven, because of his pride, was kicked out of heaven and became the devil. Adam, because of pride, was kicked out of the garden. King Saul, the first king of Israel, he, because of his pride, was kicked out and killed as king. Uh, I think about Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Because of his pride, he goes crazy for a season and is kicked out of Babylonian society. Over and over and over through history, pride is the thing that goes before the fall. It is the companion piece to destruction. And it's not just in our past, it's also in our present. I think about the fact that every divorce I've ever witnessed, part of the cause, maybe not the only, but part of the cause is that one or both spouses were full of pride. They were unwilling to say, I'm sorry, or unwilling to say, I forgive you. I think about those who right now, uh, physical abuse or emotional abuse or verbal abuse, it is always a matter of pride. Right now, there's a skyrocketing, skyrocketing number of uh, abuse in America because of the lockdown. And again, it's a pride issue because one person says, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm more important, you don't matter, and they show it through force or words. I think about when it comes to pornography. That's a matter of a person saying, I'm more valuable than the one I'm objectifying. Do you see how pride, this sense of misshapen identity is the core struggle? And if we could change this one thing, imagine if everyone in the world just changed this one thing, went from proud to humble. How would that change everything? And this is the big idea. It's the one thing that can change everything. So what is pride? Here's the definition I want us to work with. Pride is just very simply pride is an unhealthy preoccupation with yourself. It is an unhealthy preoccupation with yourself. You are preoccupied thinking about you. And pride is so tricky to get rid of because it comes in a couple of flavors. You've got the vanilla flavor and then maybe the, the chocolate flavor. The one we don't have as often, but it's there just the same. The, the first one is superiority pride. This is the one we all are familiar with. It's the guy with his chest puffed out saying, look at me, I'm the stuff, I'm the man. It's because of what I have, where I live, who I am, who I know, what I do. I am the stuff, look at me. That's superiority pride. And the reality is we can see it in others, but it's hard to see it in ourselves. But there's this other form of pride that is very subtle but equally dangerous. It is inferiority pride. See, if superiority pride says, look how great I am, Inferiority pride says, look how bad I am. Look, I'm just a victim. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. No one will ever care. I just, I'm just, I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill? Okay, okay, 90s, anyone? So you've got these two forms of pride. 
And they seem so different, but they're exactly the same because although one says, look how great, the other says, look how bad, they're both saying, look at me. Pride is an unhealthy preoccupation with yourself. And you say, well, how do we address this? See, it's not as simple as saying, just be humble. There's a lot more to it because this is the one challenge. How do you fix pride? See, pride is this thing that you can't fix pride by focusing more on yourself because that defeats the purpose. See, with greed, you can focus on your money and figuring out how to be more generous. That fixes greed. Or with lust, you kind of pay attention to what you're thinking and where you're looking, and and that can change that. But with pride, man, if you are focusing on yourself to try to fix yourself, I'm going to be a better person. I'm not going to be proud. I'm going to be humble. And boy, one day I just hit it out of the park, and that night I just sort of celebrated how humble I was. What happened? You can't fix an unhealthy preoccupation of yourself with more preoccupation of yourself. And so Paul says, I want to tell you the one change that can change everything. And I I think if Paul were with us, he'd say it has something to do with an airplane, an airplane. Um, One of my favorite people in the world is my father-in-law, Mike Bucky. He is just this champ of a guy. He's got the greatest personality. He's a lot of fun. My kids just adore him. He's just excellent. Love Mike. One of the things that I think is so neat about Mike is he's just a cool dude. He was in the Navy for a bajillion years. He was a fighter pilot, but not just any fighter pilot. He was top gun. He became an instructor. And he was so good at what he did that he became, he rose through the ranks to become a vice admiral of the Navy by the time he retired. He is the stuff. In fact, Fun fact, his call sign was not Maverick or Goose. It was Smiles, because he smiles all the time. Yeah, my father-in-law tops Tom Cruise. Well, years ago, we were having this little conversation. He was telling me about flying a plane, and he made this point. He said, Josh, uh, when you're flying, your eyes are your greatest sense of knowing where you are, because you look for the horizon line where the sky and where the land meet. And that helps you know uh, if the plane is right side up versus upside down, because when you're moving around the way you are, you can kind of get flipped around. In fact, there's this really dangerous uh, condition for pilots called spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation is where, because you can't see the horizon line, maybe because at night or in bad weather, you can't see and you kind of get turned around. And many pilots have crashed their planes because of spatial disorientation. In fact, church, you know some of the most famous plane crashes were caused because of spatial disorientation. I think about in 1959, rock and roll legend Buddy Holly died in an airplane because the pilot experienced spatial disorientation. And I can still remember in 1999 when we heard the news that the former president, John F. Kennedy's son, John F. Kennedy Jr., died in an airplane crash. Again, that was caused by spatial disorientation. And this is a serious thing. And so Mike said, so here's the remedy. Every pilot is taught when you can't trust your senses or your sight, you pay attention to this one instrument in the cockpit. It is called the attitude indicator. The attitude indicator. It's this little floating ball that tells you which direction you're pointing. Are you going up, down, left, right? Are you going towards the earth? Are you high up? Where are you? And when you can't see, when you can't trust your feelings, pay attention to the attitude indicator. This is what Paul says, isn't it? In verse 5, he says, listen, listen, listen. If you want to know the one change that changes everything, let your attitude 
make your attitude, may it be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In other words, don't focus more on you, focus on Jesus, and he will show you who you are, where you are, how high, low, where you are in position to who he is. You say, wow, that sounds great. How do I do it? How do I, how do I do this? He says, listen, it's a matter of exchanging preoccupation with yourself and it being preoccupied with Jesus. I'll say that again. This change is all about exchanging an unhealthy preoccupation with yourself with a healthy preoccupation with Jesus. So what does Paul do to tell us how to do it? Well, he does what a lot of preachers do and they don't know what to say. He quotes a song. Verse 6 through 11 is a hymn, probably one of the first church hymns that the church ever sang, and they would often sing it most likely during communion. And he says, if you want to just be preoccupied with the greatness of Jesus, if you want to get your eyes off yourself, if you want to cripple pride and abandon this crippling effect, here's what you do. Consider Jesus. And so he says this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, stop there, ponder who Jesus is. He is the infinite, invisible, all-powerful God who's there before time began and will be here after time ends. Jesus is God, he says. But this Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That word literally means held onto. It's like he's saying he had the right to what he had, but instead of saying mine, he said thine, and he let go. This Jesus who was rightfully God, did not consider this holding on to be worthy. Instead, he made himself nothing. Notice this, that word nothing literally means to empty himself. He's like a cup, he says. He will empty himself out, pour himself out. He took the very nature of a servant, not just any human, but a servant, the lowest of the low, and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. Notice this. He then humbled himself even further, not just as a person, not just as a servant, but to die. And not only to death, but a death on a cross, the ultimate symbol of humiliation. And imagine this moment, Colossians 1.17. Paul says that Jesus Christ not only is God, but it is by his very word that all of creation holds together. So, so ponder this, this Jesus This infinite God who said, no, no, I will pour myself out. Instead, in that moment, when he could have called 10,000 angels by his word, he chose to hold together the very hands that were punching him in the face. In that moment, as he's being executed on this tree, he chose to hold together the very form of the tree in the cross as he's being killed. And think about this, this very Jesus who's holding all things together in that moment, held together, the very saliva glands the people use to spit on the face of God. This is who he is. He is God incarnate. But he did not hold on to that. He humbled himself. He poured himself out. See, listen, this is the difference between humility and pride. Pride, we are all empty vessels wanting to be filled. And pride says, look how great I am compared to all the other empty vessels. Look at what I've got. And so we fill ourselves up with a little money, with a little fame, with a little prestige, whatever it is. And we say, look at me. Or we look at our empty cup and because we have nothing in it and we know we have nothing in it, we say, look how bad I am. Look at me. Look at me. And we try to fill ourselves by the pity of others. And yet Jesus Christ, because he knew who he was, he emptied himself 
out. And it is in his emptying that you and I become filled. You say, how does that work? Well, let me finish. Paul, after he gets through this deceleration, this humiliation of Jesus, he then says, therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, it is in becoming humble that we are exalted. It is as he was lowered, he became great. And in doing so, because he poured himself out, he now fills us up. Pondering Jesus is the one change that changes everything when it comes to pride. For those of us who, for, who struggle with superiority pride, the attitude indicator of Christ says, no, 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 you're not as high as you think you are. I had to die for you. You were on your way to hell. A one-way trip, making great time, not caring where or how you got there. And yet I died for you. Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He adjusts our view of ourselves. He pours himself out, fills us up, because then he not only says, no, 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 superiority doesn't work. But inferiority, also the attitude indicator, he says, no, 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 you're not as low as you think you are. I died for you, which means that you are infinitely valuable. Raise your gaze of yourself. See, humility, coming to a right understanding of who you are, comes from a healthy preoccupation of Jesus. He tells you who you are, church. This is the beauty of being able to focus on and ponder the goodness of Jesus. It is the one change that will change everything. And so I just got to ask you, When will you make time this week, every day, to pause and ponder the goodness of Jesus Christ? See, listen, if you want to make the one change that will change everything, it's not about trying harder. It's about thinking about Jesus. It's about thinking about what He has done, who He is, how He came, how He lived, died, and rose for you. That is the attitude indicator that adjusts your view of who you are. And it says that you're infinitely valuable, but you're not better than anyone else. You are who God says you are. This is the one change that can change everything. Family, I love you so much. Thank you for joining us today. I just want you to know that if there's anything we can do for you, it is our privilege to bless you. If you're on our website, you can go ahead right there. There's a prayer tab. You click on that. We'd love to be able to pray with you. If there's anything you need, though, you let us know. May God bless you this week. Ponder Jesus. Grace and peace to you.